0: Welcome to Surviving Saturday, a podcast about holding on to hope in the midst of life's difficulties, disappointments, and dark seasons.
1: Times like that remind us of the agony and despair the followers of Jesus felt on the Saturday of Easter weekend, in between the Friday on which he was crucified and the Sunday on which he rose from the dead.
0: That Sunday forever changed the way that humans can relate to God. But what does it look like to be honest about the very real pain we experience in the in-between?
1: to fervently cling to hope in the God who promised us his peace and his presence at times when he feels distant or even cruel.
0: I'm Wendy Osborne, a licensed counselor in Charlotte, North Carolina.
1: And I'm her husband Chris, a marriage mediator, conflict resolution coach, and trauma-informed storywork coach.
0: Join us each episode for authentic conversations about how life not turning out as we'd expected has created the contextual soil for the growth of a tenacious hope in the resurrection and in a God who is still making all things new.
1: Hey there, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Surviving Saturday Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris.
0: And I'm Wendy, and it's New Year's Day.
1: That it is. Uh, New Year's Day, which I think has the distinct... uh, unique feature on the calendar of boy does it prompt reflection for some reason we love uh, when the calendar changes from one year to another uh, It feels like a fresh start we make New Year's resolutions people like to do a lot of things uh, just to you know I I feel this overwhelming urge to plan and organize and try to you know start the new year off right Um, but there's there's another practice that we're going to talk about that maybe has a little bit more ancient roots Um, What would that be, Wendy?
0: Yeah, so I stink at New Year's resolutions because I don't ever um, stick with them very long. And so today what we're doing is we are considering an ancient church practice called the Examine that saint ignatius of loyola um believes he (coughs) excuse me got straight from god and it's just a way of reviewing the day or in this case the year to see maybe where you saw god at work
1: okay and so it's sort of a reflective practice and i don't think it's inconsistent with or incompatible with making plans maybe for uh the coming year or the future but it's sort of um, it, it's a good process of reflecting, looking back on how you saw God work. Um, I'd like to actually probably try to do it on, more on a daily or weekly basis uh, instead of just sort of ending, ending a day or week feeling just the weight of what I didn't do or didn't get yeah. done, but rather, wait, can I pause and be grateful for, hey, wait, this was amazing or this was really good or this was impactful.
0: Yeah, I think it builds um, the noticing of God, and a lot of Christians also use it then to see maybe where God could be directing them. Um, there's one thing I read where a guy likens it to rummaging through a junk drawer, and you know certain things are supposed to be in there, and so you keep looking. And he said doing the examine for him is like rummaging through a drawer in the context of your day, knowing that God's gotta have been in there somewhere.
1: Oh, I like that. Um, and I like it too because it fits with the, the sort of spiritual practice, but also just mental health practice of gratitude, which scientists have been studying and actually showing the benefits of uh, when you actually take time to reflect and be grateful for things, you actually are altering your brain chemistry. And yeah. especially if you do it uh, with some regularity, uh, one exercise that uh, my business partner I used, to tell me, people used to tell people about is <clears throat> think of three new things you're thankful for each day and write them down, Beginning the day, end of the day. But the key is you have to think of three new things so it's real easy to do, you know, like days one through three or, oh, yeah. or my family, my friends, that I have resources or a meal or whatever. Uh, but when, you, when you're when you not allowed to repeat, um, then you have to start getting a little bit more creative and, and really hunt harder to find uh, the good. A little in more
0: rummaging.
1: Yes. And if you've had a, a, a junky, terrible day in particular, it's, it's a little harder as well. But you you know, you know are helping your brain chemistry by that practice. So the examine, it sounds like, is... Um, making that something regular. And I like the, the focus in particular on where you've seen God. So I would say, uh, Wendy, why don't you start, um, share a little bit about kind of what this year has been like for you and, and say running back maybe a year, maybe to last spring, kind of what were you thinking, reflecting on, where were you? And then how do you see God show up kind of through the year?
0: Yeah. So I was thinking about this earlier and, um, Back last winter, um, really, I think between January and March or April, I I had some people that I love deeply who were going through some really hard situations um, from rejection to depression to self-doubt, and my heart was just broken um, as I was walking with them. And so as I contemplated the season of the year, I just realized that winter felt very dark and very icy for me. And I realized as the calendar got to March and April that I hadn't even gotten mums for our porch. Um, Or I guess at that point, maybe I wasn't going to get mums. I'm not a great gardener. I think maybe... um, those red flowers, whatever they are that we sometimes get and put on the front oh, chrysanthemums part. or? No, those are mums. Oh, they are? Okay. We're clearly not here Geraniums? for gardening advice. <laughs> Geraniums. And those would take us into the summer. And so I wasn't putting up the spring door hanger and I wasn't getting flowers. And I finally realized I was stuck in hiding and in the dark. And I was feeling sadness for these friends And I was also um, just wondering really where God was in the midst of all of it.
1: Yeah, I can relate to that a little bit, especially uh, probably last spring, January, February, March, I was making some significant decisions vocationally and trying to figure out what direction I'm going. I'd been through a season of thinking I might be going a certain direction and then having some doors that I thought were opening kind of close up. And it really kind of made me sort of want to you know hibernate a little bit as well and sort of just shut down and you know i i I think I was behind you in the sense that I wasn't even aware that I was sort of getting buried and something might be you know coming to life or growing, but i was I was still sort of just i think I was in the phase where I was still having dirt thrown on top of the on top of the seed is more what it felt like to me, yeah, so I didn't have any I remember you mentioning at one point in time during that sharing something with me about, hey, you know, winter, there's a lot going on in winter. I remember you saying um, that that winter actually is not as dead as we perceive it to be because there's a lot of under-the-surface stuff going on to prepare for what happens in the spring and amazes us.
0: Right, right. The stuff in the spring doesn't bloom out of nowhere. There's been a lot of stuff going on, a lot of activity deep down under the cold earth. Um, that is planning for the fruit that we will receive in the spring and in the summer. Um, And so I think I realized, um, and I was reading a book called Wintering by Catherine May, but I realized I wasn't ready to push roots through the hard earth. I really just wanted to stay hidden. I wanted to hibernate. I wanted to stay small. And I didn't really want to poke my head out which i think for me was another way of saying i didn't really want to hope that god was doing anything so i was afraid Mm. of being disappointed
1: yeah and i think if i look back to that point i was still the earth was still getting plowed up for me and Mm -hmm. and sort of rocks were getting moved around and i i I, as i think about it now in my body i sort of feel the scratching of a rake like Mm. you know like hey we're gonna we're going to awaken some things and try to loosen some soil in some areas. But, like, I started saying, oh, it's going to be shaped this way. It's going to be shaped that way. And, and and that wasn't true. The the, the rate kept coming. The shovel sort of kept coming. And the digging yeah. kept coming. And I feel like I hit that point of wanting to hibernate and just hide maybe later. Yeah. You know, of like, okay, this has been enough, you know. And, and it's kind of dark and cocoony here. Maybe I should stay here.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know, it kind
1: of came a little bit later for me so what would you say what uh um how did god meet you in sort of uh you you named this reluctance to bloom and to grow um how did god meet you in that and invite you to maybe something different
0: yeah well i think one of the things that happened you know a couple months into this journey i was at the beach with some friends and we were talking about um, places that we just felt free to be us as little kids. And one of mine, probably my primary one, was my front yard when I was little. Mm -hmm. Um, Up until about fourth grade, we lived way out in the country, and our front yard um, was kept fully wooded. And so I would go in there under the pine trees and I would take all the fallen straw and I would scoop it into little borders and boundaries to make houses. (laughs) And then I would use the roots of the trees and it became like my playhouse. And I was out there for hours and hours most days. Um, And this was in the southern part of Georgia, so it didn't get all that cold. But I remember just feeling so much freedom and just enjoying my own creativity and feeling a delight in my imagination. And so as we were talking about this, I realized how much of that I had put on a shelf. And in my adult life, I had wanted other people to pave the way or to tell me Maybe what my calling should look like or where Mm. I should focus my efforts. And I think I had put my imagination largely on hold.
1: Hmm. Okay. And what did that feel like uh, to have somebody name that?
0: Um, So, you know, I, it made sense to me and I felt the riskiness of what if I poke my head out of the darkness of winter and envision some life that maybe I could help create in the spring, and it's not received well, or um, it doesn't go the way that I wish, um, or I look foolish.
1: Or what if somebody thinks I'm a weed and chops me, <laughs> basically? Yeah,
0: yeah. What if it's not appreciated or valued? Yeah. And so, um, As I was with these women, um, we were talking about, you know, Jesus and the time he spent in the dark. And I'm really drawn to the Jesus that stepped out of the tomb and wondering what it was like to be the witness of the stone being rolled away and... And being one of the disciples also on the road to Emmaus, whom he joined. And seeing the scars with which he still emerged. And seeing what what he was back to do. And I think I, I was drawn to that same kind of coming out of the dark. Mm. There was something that I, it just deeply resonated with me of coming out into the dawn.
1: Now, that's reminded me there was a later, another experience like that you went to that I remember you coming back and, and saying those words were powerful, like uh, that Jesus said to, uh, I forget who it was, Talitha Kuhn, like um, oh, daughter come out, Yes, similar theme there.
0: Yes, I have a friend who has tattooed that on her hand. And I think that's going to be my next tattoo. But it's Jesus when he raised a little girl from the dead in Scripture. Yes, And it's little girl rise. And so, yes, that was super meaningful for me. Because as I was talking to these friends at the beach, I realized... That I have been hearing from Jesus myself. I think for a long time, maybe most of my life, I've looked for other people to translate what maybe he was really saying and doing, at least to affirm and assure me that I was hearing him rightly. Yeah. And so I started noticing that he was showing up for me personally. Hmm. Yeah, and so I think that and and having friends name, we see your giftedness here, or we see your glory there, um, invited me to look straight in his face and to, um, yeah, to to be courageous enough to listen and believe that he was speaking straight to me.
1: Um, so on that note, that reminds me of this something you shared with me. She doesn't know how I knew I was going to do this, guys. But um, uh, one person who got to encounter you kind of in a group setting repeatedly and see you engaging stories and, and doing more of your own kind of healing work, this is what they had to say about you. Um, surprising you with that. But uh, Wendy, your presence, your fluidity and gifting with language, your intuition, the depth and kindness of your face. And I love that, that he emphasized that. Um, create a kind of atmosphere there's a feel to it and I love this phrasing like if the feeling of home and the anticipation of adventure had a love child
0: Uh in
1: some ways it's the atmosphere of a natural leader a queen of course there's always permission to lay down the scepter kind of a big deal but be wary of misplacing or forgetting it how does it feel to hear uh, somebody else whom you respect and appreciate um just to describe you in that way
0: that was an incredible gift To me this year just his words um i have had such a war with my own face Mm -hmm. and being a lifelong product of the south and just being um a woman who has believed there's a singular definition of beauty and oftentimes spent more time critiquing and judging my face Than allowing it to engage the world and bring life and hope and kindness to other people. And so when he named that, I could just feel my whole body exhale and relax.
1: I love it. Um, So how would you say, kind of in summary, and then we'll talk about me, come back to me a little bit, but uh, how would you say God has met you um, in the course of this year and particularly recently, you know, in... in
0: yeah in answering
1: some of these questions or meeting you in this in this wrestling
0: yeah i I know that he has spoken clearly through the mouths and the hands of trusted women who have held me when I've cried, who have wiped away tears that took forty years to be able to come out mm. of my body um women who have spoken in um, both to my struggles and to my glory and have cheered me on um, into the arms of Jesus. And he has created a shift in my heart where after begging for it for over five decades, um, I feel like I can intuit his great love for me. Like I feel a safety in his presence and I see a kindness on his face that I have wanted my whole life. And I think it's come through women, um, not just modeling that for me, but engaging me that way.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah,
0: with strength and solidity and kindness and courage.
1: Well, I love how you're describing the experience of jesus that's real and tangible and how it is coming it's mediated through community through people being the body of christ
0: yes um yes and and
1: that's one thing i know we've been learning like reading kurt thompson and and kind of how he talks about the neurobiology of healing and grief and how we get rid of shame a common theme that's in the stuff he writes about and we've been learning about is the inner interpersonal um, yes. how how literally people convey God's love in a tangible way.
0: Well, and, you know, it can't be missed that he came to earth in a body. Yes. Like, it didn't have to be that way. But there are so many ways that we receive from other bodies, both judgment and blessing. Yes. And... You, I mean, just watching The Chosen oh, um, gosh, um, yes. in awe of the way that his body participated in the redemption of humanity.
1: Yeah, we're going to have to have a whole episode at some point in time yeah. talking about The Chosen, how yeah. powerful it is to see a depiction of Jesus that yeah. is so it is so embodied, it's so human. I see the disciples as way more human than I ever did.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Uh, they've, they've got dimension more yep. than I've ever picked yes. up on.
0: They're far more like us. Well, that's a good um, segue, I yeah. think, to me. Yes, where have you sensed God in your own life in this past year?
1: Yeah, I would say it's similar in that there's been a lot of individual wrestling and wrestling with him and and, and trying to you know get close to him to, to can I hear from you? on who I am, who I'm supposed to be. I think one of the things I've been wrestling with, especially over the last year or two is, you know, the the loss of identity in a sense that comes with our kids being adults. Yeah. And mm-hmm. out of the house most of the time, yeah. you know, they, they come back and visit, they do. Um, but, but nobody's looking to me on a daily, weekly basis. Hey dad, do this. Yes. And I'm not trying to usher them through life and it hit me at some point, probably in the last year, of that's a big piece of who mm-hmm. I am and was and who I, how I ordered my days, how I ordered my time. Yeah. Um, and that's gone. And then in changing up what I'm doing vocationally, and I stopped ordering my days and my time around legal clients and their needs, then there's this, well, who the heck am I?
0: Yeah, a lot <laughs> has changed in your world.
1: Right. Um, so there's that sort of, I'd call it, you know, it sounds trite, but existential crisis of a, of a sense. If, yeah. if nobody needs me as a lawyer, and I don't want them to necessarily, um, and nobody needs me as a dad in that sense, they, they, you know, it's a different role now that I can play for adults, adult kids. But who am I and what do I want my days and time to be about? So that's going on. And a lot of changes were made over the course of this year. And it was some of it is, is not so much, not even uh, as compared to like letting go of one trapeze. And and you you have that hang time in the middle before you grab the other. But in my case, it's felt like, well, wait a minute, there's a few different trapezes. I'm not sure which one I'm going to end up on. and yeah. I still got to let go of the old. So I felt this sort of free fall. But it's drawn me, I think, towards God, number one. To, you know, to say, well, can we have this conversation and not just assume, and, and, and can we look at story and where I've been and where I've, you know, had opportunities, but but where is next? And for next to feel not certain, but for him to say, be okay with that. Yeah. And like, no, I want resolution. So that's one piece of it. The other piece, I think it, what that led me to is to do some deeper healing on some aspects of my own story, some of the trauma from my family background and to understand at a better level where that shows up and how it trips me up and how it, it, it actually relates to this, why I can't just, I've never been with this person who says, I know I'm supposed to do this. I will seize it. I will make 10 goals and, or te- steps and I will go for it. I have these limitations. I have these ways that I sabotage myself or I doubt myself or let myself get paralyzed. And so it's kind of related um, to some story stuff. So I ended up, one of the high points I would say uh, was a, um, a a men's group that Dan Allender led that I got to go and spend a week in May just with these other men who were there for the same purpose, to just kind of probe your story, do deeper healing. And that, I think, was transformative. You talked about meeting God in the faces of other yes. people. Um, and I had been doing some training with the Allender Center and the Narrative Focus Trauma Care, and the same thing happened where I got... Um, like you described, people who sat with my story and honored it and and plumbed the depths of it like really nobody had ever done before. Um, but it was this multiplicity of people that was powerful. It wasn't just a, one facilitator, although the facilitators I think I had were, were fantastic. But there's something about other, and in my case, it was mostly men, although in, I guess in one other group setting, it was women also speaking to these pain points in my story, in my life, and speaking with such kindness, mm. um, A, I think it was important just for me to get to have the floor and like mm-hmm. to not, because of my story, for me to have the spotlight and not, not because I took it for myself by being special and let me put on a show. These were people who said, we don't want that piece of you. We understand why mm-hmm. you felt like you need to be clever, smart, special, all that. And we want to bless and honor that, but you don't need to be that with us. Yeah. Like we just see you and we see this pain and we see this doubt and this hurting and we and we want to sit with where it came from and we want to give you the grace and kindness of God. And and they really gave it to me by their words, by their engagement and by their faces. Mm-hmm. Like one of my memories from this year is just the faces of really men in one setting and women in another just smiling at mm-hmm. me and they've just seen me just fall apart. Mm-hmm. Either it's rage like, wait, this is what happened. I actually got to let loose. This made me feel this way. Or or deep grief. Mm. Um, so the faces of other people. And at the same time, in that same week in particular, there's an invitation of solitude as well. Mm. Like I had time. Uh, in fact, Dan gave everybody instructions. Every day you have to spend 30 minutes you know, doing some active get out, walk, hike, something, but also spend 30 minutes doing nothing. Mm. Don't read. Don't feel like you have to listen to something. Don't feel like you have to do anything. Just sit and see what does the heart of God have for you. And it took somebody actually, you know, saying, This is your job. Everything's cut off. This is what you have to do. And well, there was. Yeah.
0: How often do we just sit and listen? to God. Oh,
1: me never. I mean, not yeah. never, but, but rarely, I almost always yeah. have music going. And I realize too, I always have music. If I don't have music on, I have music in my head. Yeah, Like I always have a soundtrack sort of going. I I now can recognize it and sort of, Hey, can I stop that, you know, mm-hmm. just to be where I am. Um, but I felt in that, in that week with those other men in particular, everybody's there kind of doing healing work. And we had multiple invitations to, you know, to dive into a place of, of real hurt, or of pain or grief in my case. And it was powerful that God Mm. just showed up there and said, I really want this freedom for you. I want you to experience this. It wasn't this, oh, you know, tear your clothing and put sackcloth and ashes on. It wasn't a, a thing to do, it wasn't a task, and it wasn't a guaranteed formula. Do this and X, Y, Z will result. It was an invitation to just, hey, here's what's swirling in your heart already and here's an invitation to see all that you do to keep it at bay, mm. and let's let's let that stuff go, and let's let's actually go there. Yeah. And to have people willing to go with you in those places makes it a lot less scary. <laughs> yeah. Because they're kind of like, hey, we'll hold you. We'll be there too. And that's the other thing that happened is listening to other men and well, other men and women tell their stories of pain and hurt and heartache. And to be part of the companion, uh, the, the, all of the witnesses who were bringing kindness to them. yeah, and, and being able to say, hey, did you realize this about your story? And they're like, nobody's ever pointed that out. I had no idea, but it now makes so much sense.
0: Well, and I think when you have those experiences, when you're undone with the pain and also with the goodness that evil tried to take out in your life through those experiences, you end up in a position which Jesus can really bring comfort to. And in her book, Dusk, Night, Dawn, Anne Lamott talks about a speaker that she heard, I think he was a comedian, but he said, whenever you meet me, the first part you're going to meet is my bodyguard. (laughs) And, well, that's a great way to yeah, put it that. Yeah, it's a great part that basically this protector part is going to keep you from getting too close while I feel out if it's safe to to let you in any further. And that insulates us at the same time from Jesus being able to bring comfort into those painful cold and dark places yes
1: it makes me think of what uh larry crab described as sort of like almost like the inner tube we're all wearing sort of the style of relating yeah is this inner tube it's like you're only going to get so close yeah i'm going to keep you at a distance and for me it's by oh i'm super smart i'm charming i'm funny whatever those are all things that i have adapted in order to i love that bodyguard are you safe let me see what i'm going to get from you and that'll determine what I'm going to bring and let myself mm-hmm. see. And, and that's what was powerful about each of these settings that I was in and each of these groups that I got to be part of where people said, we actually, we love that you have that. They didn't shame me for having that. Right. Um, there wasn't like you got your bodyguard, you're bad. It was like, yeah. n- of course you developed that particular style of relating that particular mm-hmm. bodyguard. Um, of course you did, because look how you were set up to do it. Look how you got trained to be exactly that. Mm-hmm. And what might happen if you let go of that and let us see the real you? And, and then they're there saying, we actually like that guy. We actually yeah. like that real you that's underneath the sort of things that might keep people at a distance, the, the desperation to perform or to you know manage what you think of me. Um and they held they they held the unvarnished realist me and were like, We like that. Mm. We're good with it. and there's something transformative about that. It like it gives you the freedom. Oh, I don't have to perform. Um and it was powerful too, because part of mine has been sometimes, you know, oh I'm a caregiver, I'm a listener, I I I will be there for you. I know how to take care of people in a way. And that, you know, the invitation was great. That might be a great gift and you can use that. You can use, you know, that's good, but you can't always be in that mode because you will empty yourself and and where's it coming from? Is it this need to get people to like you because you do that and say, hey, look, here I'm special. Mm -hmm. Here I am again. Or is it coming from a place of just knowing that you're being held? Right. More of a
0: conduit.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's what I felt and experienced, particularly the one week away and then some follow-up training that that's built on that that's uh an invitation even deeper into um how did those parts of me get formed that want to be the bodyguard the manager the sort of um i'm gonna i'm gonna control life and manage it and figure it out and so for me i'm ending this year i feel like i've been invited closer to the heart of god yeah and and like i feel a, a more direct connection as well and fi- it finally invited me to sort of come out of, like, it's been, it, you know, sort of a lonely couple of years, mm-hmm. um, partly due to, you know, changing churches and vocational changes and things like that, and finally getting to the place of, here's some a taste of fellowship. Here's a taste of being seen, held, and known. I've stayed in touch with some guys from that one uh, week uh, getaway where we're still in touch because we have that sort of connection of the the... The exterior manager, bodyguard stuff has been stripped away. Like, yeah. yeah, we said, like, bless those guys, but send them elsewhere. And we come in, we we, we talk about the real. And it's yeah. not, the, the fun part about that is it's not been all this heavy and always mm-hmm. process your trauma all the time. There's been moments of levity.
0: Lots of laughter.
1: Humor. Yes. Um, and
0: that's the real heart of God, right? Like, yes. He's a comforter and he is... He he's a a devourer of evil, but he's also incredibly playful and tender.
1: Yes, yes. Uh-huh. And, um, it's reminded me of uh, one of the facilitators I got to work with. We had to bless each other, kind of like you got that blessing from yeah. Trapper, and I remember dubbing him the mirthful maker of mischief for the mm. mending of hearts. Yeah, because there's there's a it's mischief. He mm-hmm. gets kind of in your business and, and stirs yep. things up, but with a mirth, with yes. a joy. And that's, again, back to the chosen, but the character, the guy playing Jesus, Mm -hmm. there is this mirth. There's also this heavy and this, you can see when he's drained, when he is like pouring out, but there's a playfulness that I keep encountering as the heart of God. Uh, In fact, the bookend, I guess, the other end of my year was another conference. I went to a national conference of men gathered, you know, talking about sort of healing and trauma recovery and stuff like that. And the final message was... What if we heard the invitation from God to join him in his work as a dad, sort of saying, hey, son, let's go see what adventure we have today. Mm. And that spoke yeah. to a deep place in my heart, because that's that's one of the main things I was missing from the cast of my family, my dad's absence growing up. I didn't have that from a dad. I had other men who tried and, and filled that to some degree. But experiencing God in that mm-hmm. way, not as a, I have this task for you, or you must do this, or because you're so grateful for me do this. no. It's like, hey, son, what do we get to do today? Where can we have some fun um, as we take people to their hearts and as they get to know my heart? Yes. Um, And so that's where I'm sort of pivoting into 2024 then with, okay, yeah, I've seen God work. I've seen him weave adventures together that I didn't even expect and give me, both through people and also alone, these moments of joy and delight. Yeah, And I'm now at the point where I'm like, I'm sort of like, I'm ready for spring. In fact, I'm probably going to be resentful of January. (laughs) Um, But I want to see the spring that comes out of this.
0: Yes. So thanks for doing this with me. It's helpful to look back and to then go into the new year um, anticipating that we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. So thanks.
1: And we're glad we'll have good folks like you to be part of it with us
0: happy new year
1: happy new year the surviving saturday podcast is brought to you by nurture counseling pllc a counseling teaching and training center based out of charlotte north carolina we help families flourish one story at a time nurture counseling provides counseling counseling intensive for couples conflict resolution coaching story work groups seminars workshops and retreats to provide a safe and welcoming context for exploring the agonizing experiences of pain, brokenness, and evil that disrupt our lives and that God often uses to nurture deeper trust and intimacy with Him and with each other. You can find us online at www.nurturecounseling.net.